a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Friday night, the 9th of February. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. And uh, I don't know about you, but this has been such a boring week. I mean, do we really have anything to talk about? No, I mean, there's been nothing going on. Nothing Nothing. happened yesterday. (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Nothing that I heard of anyway. Yeah. Hey, but did you notice there was no uh, State of the Union address? You know, it's supposedly it's coming up. Do you think after last night it's coming up? Well, you know, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get into what happened last night, folks. Trust yeah. us. Um, <laughs> and, and I've got, you know, remind me of that. Remind me of the state of the union when we get to that part of the show. Okay where we're talking about what happened last night, because okay. I, I think I've got a, an observation that's oh, okay. apropos to the upcoming State of the Union. Um, let's start tonight with some kind of the, the Republican primary caucus uh, goings-on. Um, during the week, we had the, uh, the Nevada primary, and the and the Nevada caucus, right? Um, there's a lot of people that think Iowa's caucus system is kind of screwy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hold the candle to Nevada's system. So it seems Nevada runs both a primary and a caucus, but if you participate in the primary as a candidate, you cannot participate in the caucus. And the only way you can get delegates is in the caucus. Yeah, so why even bother running in the primary? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I have no idea what Nevada's doing, why they do it. Uh, and I have no idea why the candidates would even, you know, put their names in for the primary. And mm-hmm. And that was one of the problems, okay? Nikki Haley put in for the primary. Right. Okay. That was a mistake. She shouldn't have done that. No, she should have done the caucus. She filed her paperwork for the primary, did not file paperwork for the caucus. Right. Okay. So in the primary, you know, Trump, Trump put his name in only for the caucus and he told people in Nevada, you know, don't, don't waste your time with the primary but come out strong for the caucus. And they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Nikki Haley was in the primary. Right. One of the categories on the ballot in Nevada for the primary was literally none of these candidates. Right. And the, the thing was none of these candidates, you know, trounced Haley. She lost to nobody. To nobody. (laughs) I oh mean, my God! That's that's pretty bad. She lost to Tim Scott and Mike Pence, who weren't even on the ballot anymore. 
I mean, she lost to literally none of these candidates. Right. Um, you know, so that that's pretty embarrassing. So then right. comes the uh, the caucus, which was last night, and the caucus went ninety ninety seven point six percent went to Trump. Right, and he won all the counties, if you will. Right, won yes. won all the delegates. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good, you know, a good night uh, for Trump, but it was bad for Haley. Now, two weeks from now is when the uh, South Carolina primary is. Right. And I think she's going to lose that, too. Oh, I know she's going to lose that, too, because Tim Scott is down there, you know, doing his rah-rah show for Trump. And um, he basically stabbed Haley in the back because Haley was the one that appointed him. Right. But, you know, yeah. so it's it, it's kind of um, it's going to be dirty in in the Carolina, but it's she's not going to win it. Oh, Trump's going to win that, yeah. and uh, and she will then lose in her own state. You know, in the primary, do you think she'll drop out after that? I don't. I don't either. I think she is so obsessed now with continuing, and I think her Democrat donors, her main donors, are going to insist that she continue. Remember, they poured a lot of money into her, and they're getting nothing for their return. So they're going to make her, you know, um, earn her monies, even though it's not going to garner her anything. Right. Now, I kind of, you know, what happened in the primary in Nevada, I kind of look at that in a way, and I'll explain it. I look at it in a way like the Olympics. Okay. Let's let's talk about the Summer Olympics. Let's use Summer Olympics as an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, track and field. And, you know, your your country puts together a team, okay? And let's say you're lucky enough to you know, to to be on the the 100-meter dash. Okay. And there's eight countries there. And you're one of the eight countries and the races run and you come in dead last. Okay. You have trained for four years to come in dead last. You could have not trained at all and done that well. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I mean, you could have been sitting around drinking beer, eating potato chips, not exercising, not doing anything. And you could come in last. Right. Well, that's kind of what Nikki Haley did in Nevada. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, Haley, out of all the candidates that started out, her being U.N. ambassador and standing up to the, um, let's say, instigators of a lot of trouble in the world, um, the Muslim countries, folks. She stood up to them, and she really excelled as UN ambassador. And I do, and I do think, out of the original candidates, she was the best one on foreign policy because she really understood foreign policy. But she had a way about her that people just didn't take to. In fact, Rand Paul started a site, Never Haley. I know. And I I mean, I I could see why in some of her altercation with Vivek, who really needs to just go far, far away, um, you can see there's, there's a little anger issue in her too. And I think that turned a lot of people off. And she especially turned conservatives off with her sort of acquiescing quite a bit on the abortion issue. Not only that, but, you know, conservatives and just your garden variety Republicans. Exactly. Really, really took a dislike to her 
when it came out that she was taking donations from top liberal donors. Yeah. And the I mean, one people thing just said, that's enough. We don't want anything to do with her. Yeah. And there's one thing that I wish came out, but just didn't come out. Nikki Haley was the first to cave to cancel culture when she took the Confederate flag down off the state capitol. Right. And that's, right. that is, for me, that is like Chris Christie hugging Obama. There's not you know, much during difference. that hurricane. That's the image that's like burnt into my head. Yeah, there's really not much difference there. You know, no. and then recently... She was at a, a town hall thing, and, and she was asked about the, the origin or the reason for the Civil War. She brought up everything except slavery. I know. You're not doing yourself any favors. No. When, when, when you do things like that. You know, no, I mean, you're not. I, I, you know, if from either side, you know, Republicans were like, what? Right. You know, and, and the reason Republicans were like that, you know, obviously the liberal media likes to paint all Republicans as a bunch of racists, right? Right. But we know that's not the case. And it was of the course. Republican Party that ended slavery. Exactly. So, I mean, she did stress the economic end, and the Civil War was twofold, folks. It sure. was over economics as well as slavery. She got one part right, but you can't leave out slavery it was a major part well and the slavery and the economics all worked together too because exactly you know, the democrats in the south they were the slaveholders folks make no mistake right they they thought they could not survive economically without slave labor right you know the north had been surviving fine without slave labor but the north was more industrial. industrialized yeah. You know, the South was agriculture and right. they thought, well, we can't, we can't possibly survive, you know, without slavery, but they, they soon found without slavery, um, necessity was the mother of all invention and they found a way to get along just fine. You know, uh, yeah. Eli Whitney created the cotton gin Yes, and, um, yeah, and a lot of people don't realize this, but do you know what Eli Whitney's famous last words were? Um, Mike Lindell, you're a traitor. You buy Egyptian cotton. You know, well, if he'd have lived long enough, yeah, that that probably would have been. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just said, trying to be funny. He said, "Keep your cotton picking hands off my gin." Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> um. But you know, I mean, you, you can't you can't disassociate slavery from the Civil War. It just doesn't no. work. No, you can't. And it was like maybe she had a Joe Biden moment. And that could be. You know, but <laughs> I don't I, you think know, she's old enough. But you know, you never know. Could be early know, stage, early onset. Yes. Yeah, you never know. Um, so in the whole kind of primary jumble of things. Colorado has been trying to take Trump off the ballot in the state mm -hmm. of Colorado. Yeah. And this thing went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And yesterday at the U.S. Supreme Court, they heard the oral arguments. Now, there are no cameras allowed in the Supreme Court, so it's not televised. But the audio, we got the audio yes. of it. And it was fascinating. Yeah, it was so fascinating that my husband, who never really watches this stuff like Craig and I do, because this is what we do, he actually s sat there for the two and a half hours that this was going on and watched and heard all the arguments. And what surprised him was the liberal justices appeared to be siding with the conservative justices. They well, were all basically, just by their words, saying, Colorado, what do you think? You're going to de decide the country's election? Your one little state's going to decide the election? No, even uh, Justice Kagan, as right. far to the left as she is, right. what was looking at Colorado or, or you know, questioning Colorado, like, what, are you nuts? You yeah, know, you I know, mean— 
and all the liberal judges, you know, the the three liberals that are on the the court, you couldn't find any one of them that was trying to defend what Colorado was doing. The questions they were asking had the Colorado uh, attorneys tied in knots. Yeah. They thought it was going to be an easy walk through. It's Trump. Nobody wants Trump. You know, but what they forget, the Supreme Court is really held to the Constitution. Do they always, you know, stick with interpreting instead of, you know, um, being activists? No. But in a case such as this, you have a man who had every right to run for president. He met the qualifications. He met the the donations. He met everything. There was no real legal reason not to right. allow him on the ballot. Whether right. you supported Trump or not, he had every right to be there. Right. But Colorado, their argument was the 14th Amendment. Exactly. And they were saying that, you know, the 14th Amendment says if you incite an insurrection— you can't be elected. But the problem is Trump never incited an insurrection. I mean, remember, Craig, you and I watched that entire day. He stood up there. He gave a very good speech and he called for peaceful demonstrations. He never said anything about storming the Capitol. He never said anything about insurrection. Nothing. He said peaceful demonstrations. The Capitol Police let those people inside. There was no storming. And they ushered them around. Remember the the QAnon shaman, the guy with the the furry buffalo hat? The one that took Pelosi's podium, wasn't that the one? No, that was some other clown. Oh, Um, that was another clown. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the QAnon shaman was the guy without a shirt, and he had this furry hat with these buffalo horns, and his face was painted and everything. Yes. Well, you know, they, they said he was one of the chief instigators. This is the uh, J6 committee, the uh, the liberal committee, said that, that, you know, he was one of the main instigators. And then they found all the video from inside the Capitol. He's just wandering around aimlessly in there, not doing any, not harming anything or anybody, right. until two co- Capitol police officers come up. And they started ushering him around. It was like they were giving him a guided tour. And they were opening doors for him. And finding yeah. if doors were locked, they'd take him somewhere else and get find an open door and let him in. I mean, this was, yeah. this was about the most bogus insurrection you can imagine. But here's the problem. Colorado, citing the 14th Amendment and insurrection, not only... Did Trump not incite an insurrection? He has not even been charged with it, much less convicted. Right. And all the charges levied against him, and I believe there's like 95 of them, he has not been charged with insurrection. Do you know the only crime that occurred on January 6th? Yeah, I do. Is that the Capitol Police officer who killed Ashley Babbitt, there's your crime. Yeah, but he got off scot-free, no charges. Totally scot-free. She was doing nothing. This was a veteran. She was just, you know, I guess swept in with the doors being opened and whatever. And he killed her. And yeah. and nothing happened to him. There's your crime for January 6th. That's it. You know, even even the clown that took Pelosi's podium, he was just strolling around the Capitol with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, good Lord. I, I mean, this, this whole thing, this whole January 6th thing is bogus, but that's what Colorado was using. And, you know, that was the basis of their argument. But the, one of the big problems with that is the 14th Amendment was literally designed at the end of the Civil War as a way to keep civil war sympathizers from trying to overthrow the government. You know, that's a, that was a big reason for the 14th amendment and the 14th amendment in and of itself also puts constraints on the individual states 
not removes them. And in order for Colorado to have a case based on the 14th Amendment, they have to show that the 14th Amendment was meant to allow states to do what Colorado is trying to do, which is dictate who is and who isn't on the ballots. Right. Well, um, in fact, uh, Justices Alito, Kavanaugh, and Roberts, they actually questioned, uh, the man's name is Jason Murray. He was the lawyer for the plaintiffs, if you will, about what would stop other states from actually citing this particular section, three, and taking aim at any and all politicians they didn't like. You know, uh, Justice Roberts made a very good point uh, in in his questioning when, when he said, you know, if this were allowed, we would have, you know, some states taking the Republican off, some states taking the Democrat off the ballot, And before you know it, it's only going to be a small, tiny handful of states who decide who gets to be the president. Exactly. You know, and I mean, it it seems, it, it just, it seems like such a common sense statement to make, but Colorado was hoping nobody would make that statement because they know under common sense, their whole argument falls apart. Well, you're talking about, you know, uh, very liberal Colorado here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they don't think like uh, we do. Um, there was also parts in here about one of the people being an ex-member of the Confederacy supporting groups. And it, it got a little um, out in the weeds in certain parts of the testimony. But to uh, to me, the parts that I caught, which were extremely interesting, was watching the liberal justices actually, I'm not going to say side with the Republicans, but not contest what they were saying. Basically, they were siding with the Constitution. Exactly. And that was very, I I found that very surprising because many times some of them have been acting like activist justices instead of interpretive justices. Right. And and let's, let's make clear that it's not only the liberal judges that do that. Remember, with Obamacare, it was John Roberts who literally legislated from the highest bench in the, in the land. Well, that's what I mean. It was because of Roberts that that we got Obamacare. If Roberts had done the right thing and, and sided with the, the conservative, the Republican side, Obamacare would have gone down in smoke. Yeah. But he, he literally changed the bill so that it would be constitutional because as it was written, it was not. Right. He changed the Commerce Clause. Right. Yeah. So, you know... It's not just the left side of the bench that does that. Uh, no. Roberts has has done it, you know. And but this time, they all looked at this and just went, "If we if we allow Colorado to do this, it opens uh, a can of worms that you can't stop." No, it could cause a constitutional convention. It could really um, change the way we vote. And and even they were smart enough to understand, you know what, we're going to, apparently they're going to rush their writing of their um, decision. They're going to high track it. Um, I'm hoping that the nine of them side together against Colorado. Well, I think they will. And I'm on record saying that I think it's going to be a nine to nothing decision. I, I literally wrote that in an article a couple of months ago. And, um, mm-hmm. and I still, I still think that, um, I thought that going into yesterday's arguments, I, I felt even str- more strongly about it after the arguments were completed yesterday. I think this is going to be a nine to nothing smoking. And I, 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 think I really, I get... really hope it. I really hope it is. 
but you know I have trepidations about two of them on there. <laughs> well, I know you do, but if anybody holds out on this one, it's going to be one of the liberal justices. It'll either be eight to one or it'll be nine to nothing, and I'm still leaning towards nine to nothing. Well, right now, after certain things have been leaked, you know, like the justices are kind of united, they're going to rush this through. I'm tending to agree with you on the um, nine to zero. But I think it, even the two that I have trepidations about sided with the liberals, would we'd still win. But, I, you know. I, I think it's going to be nine to nothing. Now, we could hear a decision in the next couple of days, could be a next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if they decide to sit on their hands, it could be in the next couple of months. But I, think I don't what, think what they're going to hearing, sit on their hands with this one. Yeah, I think what we're hearing is that this is going to be quick. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a decision by Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's going to be pretty quick. Um, and you know, especially if they're all, all united, uh, this, this is going to be a a slam dunk. Well, well, let me bring up one thing. It was one little thing that was a bit upsetting, but, um, kind of expected it from her, uh, justice Amy Coney Barrett. She raised what they called an unsettling possibility. And what she asked was Trump is elected and a new Congress rights rules applying Section 3 to him, would that conflict with the impeachment clause? Hence, would it mean a reelected president suddenly becomes ineligible? It's an interesting question, but why did she even bring it up? Well, I, I think, I, in a way, I was kind of glad she did, and, and I'll tell you why. I think you've got to look at all the different aspects of this because if Congress would rewrite that, that could be uh, uh, the rewriting of it itself could be unconstitutional. Could be, but remember, the Constitution can legally be amended. Right, with two thirds of the states. It, it right. cannot be amended by an act of Congress. No, but two-thirds of the state could call for a constitutional convention, and there are more Democrat states than Republican states. Yeah, but not two-thirds, and it would be awfully difficult, I think, to rewrite that. But it was a valid question. It may have been a little bit out of place, but it was a valid question. I think she was maybe looking forward but maybe looking forward a little too far. Yeah, I I just, I've had trepidations about her from day one. I She sided a, too many times with the left side, and um, I don't think she's the true conservative she makes herself out to be. I, I You know, with any Supreme Court justice, even the six that are Republican, right, Mm-hmm. I'm never going to like every decision every one of them makes. No, of course not. I'm just not. Of course not. You know, none uh, of us and, are. And I'll take an 85 percent winning uh, solution uh, over a zero percent winning solution every time. Oh, of so, course, of course. Know. But hey, if Republic, I mean, I'm sorry, not Republican. If a Democrat were to get in again. We could see the Supreme Court being expanded where those numbers are switched around I, as to who has the majority. Right. You know, so nothing's passed in stone, as they no. say. Nothing at all. All right, folks, we've hit the bottom of the hour. That means we have to take a quick break. When we come back from this break, we're going to get in to the report on Joe Biden, his classified documents, and what went down last night. Mm-hmm. You do not want to miss the next 30 minutes of this show. <laughs> and we guarantee you, we will not stick our foot, you know, feet in our mouths. Well, at least we'll try not to. So stay with <laughs> us. There's more Right Side Patriots after that. 
You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. You click that podcast button and get caught up. Yes. All right. So yesterday was an interesting day over at the Biden household. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) First thing is the, uh, the report on his classified document scandal came out. Right. And uh, that was released by Merrick Garland um, over over at the DOD. And, uh, Diane, it was rife with eye-opening things. Yeah. Basically, um, special counsel Robert Hers, in those documents, he actually said of Biden when he interviewed him that he has significant limitations with his memory. And he included being that Biden had hazy memory, poor memory, and faulty memory. And the report also stated that Biden didn't remember when he served as Obama's vice president. And he didn't even remember the date his beloved son, Bo died. He had no clue. And then at one point, he goes and calls Egyptian President El Sisi the president of Mexico. I mean, that it was, was really last, a fun thing to watch. I mean, that was last night in that press thing. But let's let's talk first about the uh, about the report. Okay, basically, the report also said that Biden willfully kept secret documents. Yes. That he had no right to have. Right. And kept them in several different locations. They found them in his garage. They found them in his basement. They found Mm -hmm. them in his office, uh, in boxes that were in various states of decay. Um, They talked even about his ghostwriter, the, the author that wrote, ghost wrote, uh, Biden's autobiography actually destroyed evidence in this case, but they didn't charge him either. And, and basically what the whole thing boiled down to was Biden willfully broke the law, but he's such a doddering old coot. We can't put him on trial. Right. And his reasons were absolutely ridiculous. I mean, in the, 
report, it said, um, we have considered that a trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during the interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with poor memory. And then he added that based on our direct interactions with and observations of Biden, he is someone for whom many jurors will want to identify uh, reasonable doubt. They would want to give reasonable doubt to because they'll sympathize basically with his condition. Right. At, which is deteriorating mental and physical health. I mean, no. you can't deny it. No, I mean, it's on display every day. Right. You know, um, but the the gist of the report is he's too senile to be put on trial, but he's fine to be the president. Yeah, I'm that, like, doesn't what? Make, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, they deemed him that he has enough, you know, memory to carry on as president, to serve as president now, and then be allowed to run for another term. But I think the reason they're doing this is because if Biden is forced out, whether the 25th Amendment or he resigns on his own, there's Kamala. And I think oh even the Democrats are smart enough to know that's could be even worse than Biden. Well, so it's a pickle, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, Joe was not happy with the report. Uh, he has had some choice things to say about Robert Hur. Right. Okay. But the report was released by Merrick Garland. Yeah. And Merrick Garland had to have read it. I mean, he didn't just take it and say, okay, he had to have read it. He had to have seen the condition Biden is in. Well, and somebody obviously had to read it to Biden. Oh, absolutely. You know, 388 pages. This report was, and uh, it opened up all sorts of trouble yesterday um i mean the inst the instant that thing came out holy crap it was a feeding frenzy well you know what it boiled down to here it was Hearst basically found him guilty of the charges that were levied concerning the classified documents but he cannot stand trial because he's mentally unfit you can't have it both ways Mentally unfit can't serve as president and then and run again. And and but he's found guilty. I, I know it's a conundrum. It's like a contradiction. What is it? Is he guilty or is he mentally okay? Well, he's neither. He's neither. I mean, he's guilty, but the the mental and the the physical part, it's obvious. You can't play both sides of the coin. Well, little Joey was so mad about all this yesterday that he called for a hasty press conference last night past his bedtime. Oh, that was a big mistake. Okay. So I caught wind of it about 15 minutes before it was scheduled to happen. And so I quick got on the phone. I called Diane. I said, make your popcorn. This is going to be good. (laughs) And, you know, so... We were both sitting there waiting for it to start and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it didn't start. It was about 15 minutes late. And I sent a message to Diane on her phone. I said, they're late because the medications haven't kicked in yet. The amphetamines, exactly. (laughs) And finally, though, he came out and he kind of shuffled up to the podium I don't know how, I mean, he didn't stride up to the podium. He just kind of shuffled over there. And he made a couple of brief remarks. And, oh, my God, Diane, I have never seen a press conference like this in my entire life. No. Very, very disjointed. 
You had a very angry man up there, but he really had no idea what he was angry about because when he walked out, all he did was attack Trump, who should have been no part of this doing. This was focused on him, but he, you know, had to throw Trump in. Um, He was very angry. And yet he stumbled all over himself with the LCC comment, not remembering when Bo died. But Craig, regarding that presser or address, I should say, it was kind of a combination of both. I have five very easy questions for you. Oh, I hate easy questions. And folks, he does not have any idea. I did not tell him about this before the show. I don't. So I may have a Biden moment. You might. No, I don't think you will. If you do, maybe that means I should start looking for a new partner. (laughs) I don't want Biden moments. Okay. Okay. Question one. Since the vice president and senators are not allowed to have classified documents, isn't Biden then in possession of stolen property? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, only a president can have classified documents as long as that that president has declassified them. But Correct. what we know is that Biden was taking documents out of skiffs, which are uh, highly top secret controlled rooms, even when he was a senator. Right. Okay. Right. So yes. In possession of stolen property, yes. Okay, he should be charged with that as well. Okay, question number two. The special counsel report seems to make the case that Biden just found these documents. But like you said, he's had them for decades. And yet he offers no explanation how he got them, who he got them from, and why he kept them. What say you? Well, we know going back to 2017, he was feeding some of these documents to his ghost writer. Right. So he knew very well uh, that he had those documents then. You, he cannot make the case that, oh, I just figured this out uh, a couple of years ago. No. Oh, he no. can't. Uh, you know, and the fact is, if you look at the dates of some of those documents – they go well back. I mean, some of them go back 30, maybe almost 40 years. Right. So he was a senator then, and mm-hmm. he had to know what he was doing. He he took those documents. He blamed a lot of it on his staff, but his staff was never allowed to go into the skiff. Exactly. So he is also guilty of theft. Yes. But that brings me to question three. Congress should actually bring Biden's biographer, his ghostwriter, to a hearing, bring him before Congress, and ask him to explain exactly why he deleted his digitally recorded interviews with Biden. They don't exist anymore. There a question in there? Yeah, the question in that's in there is Congress should do this. They should do it at, you know, ASAP, but will Congress do this? That's a good question. I don't know if Congress will do it. They should. Um, yes. The, the, one of the house committees, um, uh, the, probably the judiciary committee, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the oversight committee, uh, either one of those uh, should do it. Uh, they should subpoena the uh, the ghostwriter, uh, and while they're at it, they should also subpoena the tapes made by the special prosecutor. Yes, all uh, of it. All of it. Start and an inquiry, just like they, you know, started with Trump in the beginning. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Right, uh, and those tapes, I honestly think, should be made public. Uh, the report Absolutely. is public, therefore the tape should be made public. I would like to hear what the ghostwriter told uh, Robert Herr and, mm-hmm. uh, as to what documents he got rid of. 
Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Subpoena the hell out of him. Okay. Number four. I think the October surprise will be that the Democrats will finally replace Biden on the ticket. Now, I ask you by whom? Personally, I do not think it would it will be Gavin Newsom, and I sure don't think it's going to be the move. I think that somewhere the Democrats have somebody already squirreled away to replace Biden. Who do you think it is? Or do you still think it's Newsom? I'm still leaning towards Gavin Newsom on this, but you might well be right. I mean, they may have uh, a dark horse candidate, uh, somebody that that we haven't thought of that uh, mm-hmm. that they could bring in more palatable. Uh, yeah, well, more palatable, and they may be they could be using Gavin Newsom as uh, a shiny object. Everybody's looking at him, uh, and they'll sneak somebody in the back door. I don't think it's going to be October, though. I think it will probably, if it happens, and I still think it's going to, uh, I think it will happen at the convention. At the convention. It's very possible. Yeah, that's Conventions that's in thought. July, it's very possible. Yeah, because, you know, if they wait till October, that person, they wouldn't even have time to get that person on the ballot. All the ballots would be printed by then. Exactly, exactly. And my last question to you is, in my opinion, and I've even written about this, Jill Biden is guilty of elderly abuse. And she should be made to tell why, knowing damn well that Joe is not only mentally in decline, but physical decline as well, why she won't insist that Joe drop out of the 2024 race. It's got to be more than her quest to be first lady. I agree with you on that. Uh, She is guilty of elder abuse. I mean, she's the one that is leading him around like a a lost puppy dog. You know, when he, when he can't find his way off the stage, she rushes onto the stage and ushers him off. Remember it was about two years ago, shortly after uh, he occupied the oval office, he was at some event. It was outdoors and he was wandering around aimlessly on a large outdoor deck. Yes. And she came out of nowhere to guide him away from the people that were asking him questions. It was just run-of-the-mill people. It wasn't even reporters. Right. But she rushed in there, and she had to guide him away. You know, he was um, – early on, he he got off of Marine One in the south lawn of the White House, and there were people standing there – to direct him into the White House, he walked right past him, right off the end of the sidewalk, around the back that. side of the building. I remember a couple, that. A couple of There's... Easter's ago, he was out in the lawn on the Easter celebration, didn't know where to go. Whoever was dressed up as the Easter Bunny had to help him. Right. I mean, this is ridiculous. She, She's not a medical doctor, folks, but she has to know that her husband, forget he's president, she has to know that her husband is a sick man. I believe he has Parkinson's, definitely dementia. I, I mean, she has to see that on a daily basis. And yet she allows him to go on doing this. If she had said, Joe, it's time, he would probably listen to her because... She's He's a at that stage. He's not in early dementia, folks. He's in later stage dementia. Yeah, I mean, she's his caregiver. Exactly. She's his caregiver. Well, a caregiver is supposed to care. That's why the word is in there. She's in this for herself. But right. it has to be, in my opinion, for more than just the title of first lady. Yeah. I, what and I, do you think her her take in all this is you know again that's a really good question i think there may be future book deals in it for her um you know how she uh, you know guided him a movie uh, about her life <laughs> yeah you know i mean you know those are the easy that's the low-hanging fruit um mm-hmm. i don't i really don't know other than 
I, I think the, you know, part of what we don't know about this whole Biden scenario, and this, and this goes well beyond the dementia and what happened last night and all that. Right. Oh, God, um, yes. But we know that at least five different Bidens, maybe it's up to nine, have been getting paid by all these backdoor deals that were yes. part of Hunter Biden. Okay. Yes. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Dr. Jill is on the payroll. And uh, as as long yes. as Biden is in the White House, certain people in certain parts of the country are going to continue to have access. And as long as they have access, she's also on the payroll for it. Ex- absolutely. 100%. I'm just guessing. I mean, that's that's yeah. my cynical guess. But I, that's, that, it's the only thing that makes sense. Because look at it this way. She's a disaster as a first lady. Right. She hasn't um, done anything. She's done absolutely nothing. Well, she's got her I hands think, full. I mean, yeah, I think she's probably probably dresses as bad as Michelle did. Uh, some of her outfits, you know, when you compare <clears throat> the two oh, yeah. of them to millennia, you know, there's well, like no comparison. Right. Um, but there's something. I don't mean this in in a biblical way by any means, but there's something very, to me, evil about her. There's something dark. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a very some, dark side. Yeah, there's something there that's that's not right. There's something there that's being hidden. Um, yes. You know, yeah, I, I agree with you. So how, how did I do on the five-part test? You did very well. And folks, okay. really, he had no idea that I was going to do this. I had no idea. I have no idea. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. So last night he comes out there, and you mentioned this, and I don't want to just brush by it. I think we need to talk about it. Um, he he does this. He, he makes his brief comments as disjointed as they were. And in those brief comments, as you said, he's furious. Okay. Right. And he's talking about Bo Biden. And you know, he says about Robert Burr and the the five hours of questioning uh, that Burr did with Biden, you know, why the hell would he bring up, you know, my son? And right. it's not none of because, his. Because Biden always brings up Bo. Yeah, exactly. It's says none of his damn business. Well, Ex- Biden seems to make it everybody's business. So what the hell? And Biden starts talking about this rosary thing that he wears on his wrist. Right. And, you know, he said, you know, uh, this was my son's and it was given to him uh, by our lady of, and then he throws up. He couldn't remember where the rosary came from. He just got done saying he's, yeah, he's fine. His memory's fine. He's berating people that think his memory's gone. Then he can't remember Our Lady of what? It's Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's not that hard. Right. Okay. So he he gets through this, and then he takes questions. Okay. Now, the comments were, were written out for him. Those were on the teleprompter. Yes. Okay. When he went off, off the teleprompter, he was talking about Bo Biden, and he was talking about the, the bracelet. Mm-hmm. So obviously he stumbled because the words weren't in front of him. Then he starts taking questions and oh my God, it, it was an absolute crap show. Yes, right? it was. And he, he gets done and he starts to walk away and somebody shouts a question about Israel. Mm-hmm. Biggest mistake of the night. He turns around, comes back to the podium. He should have continued walking off. He goes into this thing. And just the other day, I was talking to the president of Mexico, LCC, about opening the gate so the Palestinians could get some humanitarian relief. I'm sorry. The president of who? The president of where? Yeah. Mexico, LCC? Yeah. Now, I know Diane and I have been busy co-writing an article. But I looked. I, I went online and I looked. And El Sisi has not moved from Egypt to Mexico. 
No. <laughs> I thought maybe we missed it. No, we didn't miss it because it was in his delusional mind. Now, this I mean, comes on the heel uh, over the last few days of him recounting conversations he's had with dead people. You know what's even scarier, Craig? This man has the code and can press that nuclear button uh-huh. at any time. I know. That's the scariest thing out there right now. So last night, Diane and I, Diane's watching it in South Florida. I'm watching it in North Central Nebraska. He makes the LCC comment instantly. I mean instantly. Diane's all over this thing like ugly on an ape. And she (laughs) sends me a text message and says, the president of Mexico, LCC, to which I instantly responded, well, at least LCC's still alive. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, holy crap. Um, it, I mean, it just, you know, I'm fine. My memory's fine. I'm the president of the United States. I'm, I'm the most qualified to be the president of the United States. I mean, and then the president of Mexico, LCC. Yeah. And you know what's even worse about it? As bad as that foot and mouth was, Putin heard this. I'm sure Xi Jinping heard this. I'm sure, you know, our little North Korean dictator heard this. The this is it. the man he is putting, in my opinion, he's putting our national security at risk absolutely every time he opens his mouth all of our adversaries heard it yes okay and all of our allies heard it and frankly i'm not sure which is worse okay but you know if you're the leader of a country and biden calls you are you going to take his call now because you don't even know if he knows what country you're the leader of no and you know the country that's going to be hurting the most is Israel. Oh, yeah. Because he will not allow the monies to go to Israel. He'll keep sending them to Ukraine, but right. not to Israel. Well, and that's because, that's because he's making money off Ukraine. He's not making money off Israel. No. And what folks forget about Israel, yes, we give, we do give a certain amount of money to Israel as an ally, but Israel pays us for a lot of the stuff military right. equipment that they get. No other country does that. That's true. And and Biden is also now threatening BB, you know, you better scale back Gaza or we're not going to send you the military equipment. This man is a danger not only to the security of our country, but to the world. I hate to say this, but I think maybe Biden wants him to scale back on Gaza. Because he's afraid it'll cause a shortage of the MyPillow guy's Giza bedsheets. Oh, I don't think he knows his. I don't think he knows his Giza from his Gaza. (laughs) I mean, to be perfectly honest. But okay, so all of our all of our allies heard what went on yesterday. They all know about the uh, the report that came from Robert Hur. At our Justice Department, and that's that's something you folks got to keep in mind. That report was issued by Biden's Department of Justice, right? Okay, but you know who else heard it? All of our military. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he supposedly is the commander in chief of the military. This is all public now. Every single person in our military knows just the situation. The, their commander-in-chief is in. Well, they probably knew it to begin with, but now it's been uh, totally justified because yeah. there's proof now of it. Yep. But, you know, Craig, we only have like a minute left. Why don't right. we tell people really fast what's coming up on Tuesday, which is really important, and in a way this is part of it as well. Diane and I co-wrote an article It's all about the situation over in the Middle East, who the real players are, um, 
players that you may not think are players because we're all being told something that's not true. Right. Okay. And it also deals with the drone strike on Tower 52. We lost three good American soldiers in that drone strike. There's a lot of things about that drone strike, too, that you don't know that we're going to expose. Right. And uh, we've been working on this. It's almost two weeks so we could get all our facts correct. We're not pulling this stuff out of, you know, uh, midair, folks. When you read it, hopefully it will give you pause to think. Because of Biden, basically, we're doing the wrong thing. Yep, and we're going to tell you all about it next Tuesday on this show, Right Side Patriots. Yes, and on Monday in the actual published article. Right. But with that, we're out of time. And with that, I say, nighty-night, folks. Have yourselves a great weekend, folks. Don't have any Biden moments, and we'll see you again on <laughs> Tuesday. Bye-bye. <laughs> 